Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gita Thwelin and with me, as always, is Steve Carroll. How are you, Steve? Uh, I'm just recovering, I think, but I, I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm, I'm in a fabulous move, mood and I foresee it lasting until at least the weekend. Um, God knows what's got me in that mood, but I'm sure it's got something to do with the topic of conversation for today's podcast, because it is a South Wales derby special as we look back at yet another one-sided affair against our rivals from down the M4. 2-0 the score, this time quite a modest defeat compared to last season's thrashings, but I mean, there was uh, it was no less comprehensive, I would suggest, Steve. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very comfortable actually, wasn't it? I mean, I was a little bit nervous before the game, thinking that um, obviously we've been very spoilt in recent years in this fixture, and um, you know, at some point that's that's going to come to an end. And I think there's always that that fear for me that it it could happen in the next game. But um, I mean, the uh, after the red card, I think I was quite relaxed, thinking that at worst this will probably end nil nil, and that would have been a bad result considering how long uh, Cardiff would have had ten men for. But um, Obviously, it didn't go that way, did it? But um, yeah, I think that was that was a very big moment um, early on, wasn't it? And um, I think it probably relaxed the, everybody a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things you expect to happen in a derby. A, a red card after seven minutes is not one of them. That was probably the most brain-dead thing I've ever seen in the South Wales derby. And there have been some, you know, some moments of madness down the years, but that one—I mean, what possesses you to take that kind of risk that early in the game? I just cannot imagine how I would be feeling if I was a Cardiff City fan. You've travelled down from Cardiff, you know you're underdogs anyway. I mean, you know that that the odds are in the home team's favour, and you've got to do that horrible journey. Uh, I was—I was—I caught the train down from Cardiff um, for the match, and the train left just past eight o'clock. And the coaches were were already outside the Cardiff City Stadium as as the train went past. We've all done that that journey. It's a it's a horrible trip up and down the uh, the M4. Um, so they've gone through that. They've been stuck in the stadium for hours before the game. Finally, come out, um, dreading the worst already. And then your main striker, the one who is most likely to score you the goals, chucks the ball in op- opponent's face at point blank range. I mean. I cannot imagine the feelings that were in that away end when that red card came out. Yeah, I mean, like you say, they they probably were coming down here with a bit of trepidation after a bad week anyway. Um, obviously, their record, as I've already said, has been awful in recent years against us. And they didn't start too badly. You can see they, they sort of had something about them in terms of they wanted to have a bit of a go with us, I think. But, I mean, then that happens. You just got that sinking feeling I would imagine of just like here we go again it's going to be another absolutely terrible day and um, you must just be so sick of it if you're a Cardiff fan just like almost at the point where you just don't want to play us anymore and I, I wouldn't blame them at all to be honest with you but um, you know from from our point of view where it's becoming a golden age for Swans fans this fixture isn't it we've just got to um, enjoy it really haven't we because you know these days um may not last forever. We might go through a spell where we have some misery in this fixture, but it certainly feels at the moment like um, everything's going for us, doesn't it? Well, it is. It is the golden era for, for either side, really, in South Wales derbies. I mean, we did the dub last season and we did it with a 7-0 aggregate scoreline. You know, they've scored one goal um, in nearly 10 years against us. And even that one was behind closed doors and so no Cardiff fans were actually there to witness it. We've now scored 15 in the other direction. Uh, it's it, it's ridiculous, really. It's it's turned into a kind of Liverpool-Everton situation where one side just looks forward to this derby and the other one just doesn't. You know, there's nothing to look forward to if you're the other team because you just expect the worst every single time. And I definitely think the previous record, uh, along with the red card, obviously, played a part in the the atmosphere. Because I don't know about you, Steve, but I just didn't sense that it had the same kind of edge that we've had in recent years of this derby. It just felt a lot more muted. And I think that that's partly to do with just, you know, the red card 
it's so difficult to see Cardiff winning that game after the red card. Even a draw would have been unlikely. You're thinking this is entirely in our hands from that point on with most of the game left to play. And then, you know, so we look very, very comfortable on the ball, just keeping possession, not really doing that much with it a lot of the time, but just biding our time and using it as a bit of a training exercise. Um, but I, I, I don't know, that the whole thing felt very comfortable. The, the fans never seemed to have any kind of tension to anything. It was, um, we were just waiting for the Swans to take the lead, really. And it just felt like a very mellow South Wales derby. I don't know about you, but that's that's how I felt. I'm not sure if it was like, it was quite that mellow, but it was it certainly maybe wasn't like some of the other ones we've had previously. I mean, yeah, compared to, compared to previous derbies, I mean, not not yeah. not compared to your average league game by any means, but compared to the three 0 last season, obviously away away atmospheres are different. But but you know the 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 win under Cooper, then the last time we had fans in there, you know these matches were fierce fierce events, and I just felt like. If I'm being honest, Saturday was just a bit of an easy piss take, really, and 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 nothing more than that, really. It was, it was that kind of atmosphere more than the kind of f- ferocity that we're used to. Yeah, I think obviously it was lively at the start, as it always is, but I do think there was maybe a little bit of a lull in some parts. I mean, I think there was down to the red card to an extent, because I just think that the danger of losing had, had probably gone, and I think maybe then we're, we're all maybe just like expectant rather than than hoping and 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 just blindly getting behind them so i do think you, you are right to a point it probably was it was still very lively it probably wasn't quite you know like it has been at some of the previous derbies but um you know like it was still um it was still very enjoyable wasn't it and um you know we had we had plenty to shout about again didn't we well yeah um we, we well there were loud shouts for a penalty <laughs> when the cross went into the box and uh, Cedric Kipre turned into a volleyball player. Um, I mean, how the referee didn't just tweak. I mean, the thing that got me was the protest was so loud by, by us. And we, we'd been very relaxed up until that point. So it wasn't as if we'd been in the referee's face throughout. And suddenly he's got the entire team basically crowding him, telling him it's a handball, crowding the lines and saying it's a handball. Surely they must know, even if they haven't seen it, and even if they they decide I have to give a corner because I haven't seen it. Surely they're sensing I probably made a mistake here, haven't I? Yeah, you do think that. I mean, obviously I, that's my end of the ground. I mean, I've seen his hand go out, and I I was thinking that looks very dodgy to me. And then when you see the replay at halftime, you're like, wow, I cannot believe that he didn't give that um, bad call. Really, I don't know whether if because he'd already sent someone off, he was. You know, didn't want to give a penalty as well. Um, you do wonder that sometimes the referees, but um, yeah, it was uh, that was a bad decision one there. I think if we hadn't won the game, we would have been looking at that and thinking, well, you know, ref, that was, you know, you really, really should have given the penalty there. Luckily, it didn't cost us, did it? But um, you know, it's just a blatant cheating, isn't it, uh, to do something like that? I mean, it was it was shocking. I, I have no idea what was going through his head, and that's from probably their best player this season. You know, it's. Um, I guess it showed the the mentality. They they just they just weren't right after that that red card. And um, I mean, as soon as the first goal went in, it was more or less done at that point, wasn't it? it, it there was there was a feeling like there we go, we've got very little to worry about at this point. And I think if you were to draw up a list of players that you wanted to score that opening goal, Ollie Cooper would rank very very highly on that list. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's become a bit of a favourite, hasn't he, uh, with his uh, performances so far this season. He's, it's, it's just been like a revelation, hasn't he? I mean, it's like a new signing. I mean, nobody really probably expected a great deal from Audie Cooper this season. But, um, you know, his, his introduction to the team has coincided with uh, the upturn in form, hasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, he, he's done great. And, I mean, we the, the funny thing is, of course, we do owe, owe it all to... Cardiff signing this father, don't we, many years ago? And um, yeah, that has obviously led him to end up coming to us after, of course, the, he was um, he was on their books um, and they didn't want him and, and we've taken them. And obviously for us, it's worked out brilliantly, hasn't it? So that yeah. is just, That's just rubbing salt in the wounds, isn't it? The fact that you know Cardiff would have known that player was on our books 
and now he's scoring against them and playing better than anybody they've got. It's, you know, it says so much about the way the club has been run down the years that they couldn't identify that kind of talent, even though his dad had played for the club, had coached for the club, and they still just couldn't see what, you know, good a good footballer when he was standing right in front of them. Um, yeah, they, they, there's a similar kind of feeling towards Ben Cabango in the sense that they, they just didn't pick him up when he was, you know, playing locally in Cardiff. Um, but I mean, with Cooper, it's even worse just because the connections with that club are so incredibly strong and they still allowed him to to come down here where he's now flourishing. And um, yeah, just great to see him um, score in this kind of derby, continue his great form. He's doing brilliantly. Hopefully it continues. Um, and a lovely finish as well. It has to be said, I know. You know, it it could have been he could have done absolutely any anything in that situation, but he picks out the top corner very very calmly. And I don't know, maybe that's not the kind of finish we would have seen from Cooper a couple of weeks back. But now that he's got a few goals under his belt, now that he's got regular starts, he's maybe got that composure to try and pick out the top corner instead of just slamming it in any direction. I don't know, but. Um, great, you know, a great way to put us ahead. And from that point on, we were absolutely coasting until we put the seal on the win in the second half through the kind of goal, actually, Steve, I'm going to say that we probably don't see enough of from Obafemi. I would have thought with his skill set, he was born to score this kind of goal. You would think so, wouldn't you, with um, obviously the pace that he's got. But, um, well, you are reliant sometimes on service, aren't you? And um, let's be honest, we've got to give Matt Grimes a hell of a lot of credit we, for that pass. I mean, it was the Bruyne-esque, really. Um, you know, every centre-forward probably dreams of those type of um, through balls. And um, there it was. And it was asking to be put away, wasn't it? And um, I think it was about time Oberfemi got on the score sheet because he'd had some chances. And there was that great move in the first half where we just carved them apart. And he obviously he narrowly missed the target. He had chances later on in the game, didn't he? And I think there was there was one towards the end of the first half as well. So there were more than enough chances for Oberfemi to score. And um, luckily, he, he obviously took one in the end. And um, yeah, it was pretty comfortable after that. And obviously, we were all just uh, chanting, it's happening again in um, a direction of that away end. And um, that was one of the, that was that was my favourite moments of the game. Just I mean, talk about rubbing it in. It's happening again. It's happening again. You're thinking, oh, the, like the pain that must be coursing through that away end when that was being chanted in their direction. It's just pure piss taking. Nothing but nothing but piss taking. It's just bliss. And it's what you dream of on a derby day. And we get to do it time and time and time again. And it's just so good. Yeah, it is. And, you know, just, yeah. When when, you, when the derby comes around, you're just always hoping for that win, aren't you? Because, you know, there's, there's no other feeling like it, really. And I think we had, you know, we had half an hour again, didn't we, just to sort of completely enjoy the moment, knowing that um, there was no way that they were coming back. And, yeah, it's just... It's just party time, isn't it? Just pleasure. You always associate these fixtures in general until last season with, you know, a lot of um, of nerves, really. Um, and you can't relax at any point of the game. But we've been quite lucky, haven't we, with um, in the last three derbies, we have had moments where we could sort of just enjoy it and, and take it in. And that's what we um, were able to do. So, yeah, that, that last half hour was just pure pleasure, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it does make me think what's going to happen the next time we actually have a tight derby. Because... They are so rare these days that they're going to feel a bit weird when we actually have a bit more of an even contest against Cardiff. But on the basis of what we saw on Sunday, I mean, and I know they were down to 10 men, but, you know, that I, I tweeted after the game, that was the derby that was won in second gear. It, it could not have been any easier, really. Um, but the, 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 ten, the fact they were down to 10 men is a mad, massive contributing factor, no doubt about it, but... Even then, we treated it like a, a training ground exercise. It was so, so easy. They had one shot on target in the entire game, which was a great effort, fair play, um, which drew an important save from Bender. But other than that, I mean, they just never looked like threatening us. Um, they were beaten in every single department. There is that stat that's been doing the rounds that Matt Grimes got made more... Uh, successful passes than, uh, than than the entire Cardiff team. 
that I mean that's an embarrassing stat. But what's even more embarrassing is that there were three other players on the team who did exactly the same thing. Fulton, Darling, and Cabango also got more successful passes uh, on Sunday than the entire Cardiff team. That's that's nearly half our side. I mean, it's just like well, it's more than a third of our side anyway. And thinking, you know, this is. You know, this is embarrassing, surely. Like, and the fact that this keeps on happening again, this is not a one-off. This is just a recurring incident. It's par for the course. It's what we've come to expect from these derbies. And I just, I just can't imagine how I would feel if the if the boot was on the other foot and we were having to go through that kind of ritual humiliation time and time again. And yet Cardiff City have to go through it all the time. And I've, I've listened to. Cardiff podcasts and things um, since then and read comments online and it's doubly difficult for them to take this time because one of the things they always said was oh we want the players to sh- uh, show that it means something we want the club to understand what it means etc and you could see in the build-up that on social media etc Cardiff had been making a, a really big effort to show that they you know understood what it meant they'd had that long video um, where they said basically how keen they were to make amends, etc. There's that famous photo of them all in a darkened room um, saying they'll be ready on Sunday, which is obviously hilarious now. Of all the people, they had a long interview with Callum Robinson where he talked about how he loved these uh, games and you know he lived for these kind of derbies. And then after all that, seven minutes in, you're down to 10 men and it's practically game over. It's just like... It, it must be the most demoralising thing to go through that kind of build-up after all the complaints, et cetera, and still have the same kind of result. It's just once again reinforcing the, the gulf and class between the two teams. And I think this time around, I think we've seen a change in the way Cardiff fans discuss this game as well, because in the past they've said, oh, Cardiff don't raise their game for this occasion, et cetera. And, Making it seem as if it is meant to be an even contest and that the team, two teams are quite evenly matched and Cardiff just don't do themselves justice in this match. These days, I think there's a, an acknowledgement that actually the two teams, the two squads are on totally different levels. The managers are on different levels. The clubs in general are on totally different levels and they are just very far behind. I think there's finally an acceptance of our superiority and their inferiority. Yeah, it does feel like it, doesn't it? I mean, the point has been rammed home enough times now, hasn't it? I mean, how many times have Cardiff finished above us in in recent years? I mean, there was the year under Cooper, we finished sixth and they were fifth. But I mean, you're talking only one place, really, aren't you? Um, And obviously they did end up in the Prem the year that we went down. So again, there they did finish above us. But I mean, it's... They're few and far between, and when they do, it's not much in it. It doesn't last. So, you know, um, I think they probably are now starting to have a little bit of a reality check. But obviously, we we have been the superior side of me over the last, you know, decade or so, really. And, um, yeah, I mean, from their point of view, they probably need to do a lot of soul-searching now because they, they went for a, a reboot in the summer, and that didn't last long. They changed the manager again, and now they're struggling, and... It does feel like they're, you know, going round and round in circles, really. So, yeah, um, but it's great for us, isn't it? So it's fine by me. Let's have a chat about Cardiff and where they are as a club right now. We've started already, but um, this morning I listened to the View from the Ninian podcast, which I've got to admit is a very good podcast. Um, uh, and if you ever want, you know, if, if you ever find the Cardiff are in a, bit of a sorry situation and you want a bit of schadenfreude it's worth tuning in because they do discuss in a very entertaining way um and it was really interesting to hear them kind of have this discussion about where their club is at and it's quite clear just from listening to Cardiff fans that the club is just in in a state of nothingness really there's very little there to get fans excited they've spent most of the last 10 years just drifting around aimlessly, really, just struggling to function. They've had two promotions into the Premier League, which have resulted in swift relegations. Um, they've gone through managers quicker than I go through chocolate. It's it, it, and, and you've got this owner there who is pumping money in to keep the club afloat, but 
is offering absolutely zero direction and has appointed people who clearly haven't managed to make a success of this project, despite him pumping millions into it. They've tried to go a different direction over the summer, new style of play with a, a young manager, and it lasted all of, what, two months before they got bored and decided that they, they didn't want that anymore. It's just... They, they they say there's very little basically to get excited about and it was very interesting actually to hear them say that the the wales situation <clears throat> doesn't help them because with wales you've got such a brilliant product you've got a full stadium with a brilliant atmosphere and fans watching really good football in that in the cardiff city stadium whenever wales play and then suddenly the cardiff fans in that crowd or the or even the prospect the potential Cardiff fans in the, in that crowd, you know, have to go then back to a situation where the ground is half empty um, for all the league games. There, the atmosphere is rubbish as a result, and the football is terrible too. And it just makes it the situation feel so much worse because you go from such a vibrant atmosphere with Wales games to Cardiff games, which is just so grim, really. And they there is a, a problem there. The fans just don't. I just don't know why they're going anymore from from what I can I can see. A lot of fans are just doing it out of habit and and, and routine rather than um out of any kind of love for the occasion. And it's it's more of a chore than anything else. And this has been going on for quite a while now. And it's a club that's just failed to build on any kind of small successes they've had. And and they've just been allowed to rot, really. Um, from a footballing sense, the, the the lack of direction, the lack of plan there has just resulted in this state of hopelessness, really, where they've, they've not really got much optimism going forward, that things are going to change in the long run. And obviously, if you're a Swansea fan, that's amazing. <laughs> that's ph- phenomenal. And it just makes things so much easier for us because we know that we've got that, that, that we do things at least on the pitch, very, very differently to them. I'm not going to say that our owners are perfect by any means, but in terms of the decisions that get made on the pitch and the coaching strategy and the plan that's there, there is quite a clear um, direction in which the club are trying to go and there's a clear plan. You can't say the same thing about Cardiff and that's why there's very, that you just can't see it changing at the moment. No, you can't. I mean, they do just seem to go around in circles. They have, I think Russell Martin said it the other day, didn't he? Well, they've had so many managers over the last period of time. Um, and that that's never a good sign, is it? I mean, I know we've been frustrated in the past by managers being poached and and stuff like that. But um, at the same time, it is a sign that you're doing things the right way. So, you know, I can't remember. Someone said it to me the other day. Can you ever remember someone being poached from Cardiff as a manager? Because I really can't. Nobody, not one. So I don't think it's ha- I don't think it's happened in my time. No, and I mean that's quite remarkable, isn't it? Because you think of how many Swans managers have been poached. There's four, isn't there? But then again, how many players do they lose to bigger clubs? They don't, because it's not a good club. If you were if you were a player and you had a choice between going to Cardiff and going to Swansea, you take money and everything else off the table and you look at kind of career and player development. Where are you most likely to progress as a player? Well, the answer is clear. It's Swansea because this is a club where players arrive, they do well, and then they they attract a lot of attention and and they move on. Cardiff. When was the last time? A player went to Cardiff and really excelled and really became you know, one of the best players in their position in the championship. Um, became a player the Premier League clubs would want. It's another fair point. I mean, I, if I ever look back at through my time watching football and I think about when did I ever look at Cardiff and think they were any good, and I think the answer is obvious that the best manager they had for me was probably Dave Jones because especially in the first few years. I mean, they didn't really have a lot of money to spend. And they were, no, they signed Chopra, didn't they, for example, for half a million, I think, and they sold him a year later for a five million. And they were very good at that. They were bringing a few in. Glenn Louvens, I remember, the centre-half. That's yeah. one they made a profit on. Roger uh, Johnson, too, I think they made a profit on. Yes, they did. I, mean, I know they lost Bothroyd on a free, but he would have gone for money, wouldn't he, if he was on the contract? Ledley, 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 the same. He would have gone. Yeah. And they obviously sold Ramsey for... 
five million, which would yeah. be and obviously you're gonna go slightly back before that. I mean, you're talking James Collins, Danny Gavard, and Robert Earnshaw. I mean, these they were good players. And I remember when they had that team, there was fear, like if you know what I mean, that they were gonna do something and we were gonna have to witness them in the Prem. But um luckily for us it never went to fruition, did it? But I mean, back then they there was something far more about Cardiff, whereas now they just drift in really, aren't they? There's not there isn't a plan in place. Um and like I said, they don't really have any players that you're particularly envious of. I mean, not many would probably get into our team. They probably don't have many players that we would sign, for example. So I think that's their their big issue, isn't it? I mean, if they, they need to have an overhaul and they probably need to be patient with it. I mean, obviously, they, they thought about going down that route and then backed out of it. So, yeah, I think we're, we're just lucky, really, aren't we, that they, the ownership there isn't, you know, it's not like what we've had. I mean... Obviously, I know we're we're not huge on our current ownership, probably, but at the same time, I think they have learned from some of the mistakes they made at the end of the Prem era, and they have put people in place to make decisions. And it does seem like, to an extent, they take far more of a backseat, which is what we need, really, isn't it? Because, but, that, but that's the, but that's the thing, really. I mean, I I, I don't know if our American owners know any more about football than Vincent Tan does, quite frankly. I mean, that 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 neither set of owners have, have proven themselves to be particularly knowledgeable when it comes to um, running a football club. Um, but I think these days, owning a football club, your success is determined by who you put, who you delegate to, who is the pers- person there that's making the footballing decisions at the club. And, you know, the one thing you say about um, our owners, they kept on Hugh Jenkins thinking, you know, here's a man with a with a proven track record. Obviously, his Midas touch had, had run out by that stage and um, it, it didn't work out um, with, with Hugh under the Americans. So he had to go. But then who did they get next? They went for somebody in Trevor Birch who had been in football throughout his career, who knew the business of football inside out and who did a brilliant job here of just steadying the ship. Trevor Birch then uh, had to go elsewhere, of course. Who did we go for? We went for Julian Winter, who is uh, who has ample experience working in football um, at, at various other clubs um, and, and understands the game, and in particular at the Championship. Who have Cardiff had running their football operations for the past, well, ever since Vincent Tan came in, I think, is Mehmet Dalman who speaks a great game. I mean, PR-wise, he's, he's, a, he's a phenomenal speaker, etc. But But that's what he is, is kind of a PR man, really. He's just, he's, he's a, he's, he'd never, as far as I know, done anything in football before getting appointed by, by Tan. He was a man who kind of acted on behalf of kind of oil and gas companies, you know, from Central Asia and stuff to try and, you know, make them look good on the, on the London Stock Exchange. That's what that's what he did. And, but he's the one that's still making the football decisions there, even though it, it's clearly not been an effective strategy. And you're thinking, how long are they going to go on with that plan before they realise their basic, most basic flaw? The person that's most in charge of making football decisions at that club isn't really a man who understands football. Um, it's but but the, I'll be honest, Cardiff City's history over the past ten years and more has been one of failing to learn from mistakes. Again, I think this is brilliant, but it is absolutely amazing that a club can keep repeating the same mistakes time and time again and never learn from them. It's just unbelievable that that, that can happen at, at, at a club like Cardiff. I really find it astonishing. Yeah, I, look, I can't disagree with you, really. I mean, it, it is the definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over and, you know, um, expecting the different results. I mean, it's it's obvious they need to have a big overhaul and they, they're never going to learn, really, is what it feels like. So... Yeah, but we're not going to complain. Hopefully, they they don't learn any lessons from us. I, I do wonder sometimes if they if they look at us and think, well, we can't do what Swansea do because it's like admitted defeat. But um, yeah, it's uh, well, I, I just hope they carry on doing what they're doing because they are just the club that's just going nowhere really. I mean, they're not really struggling as as such. I mean, they they may go down at some point, but they just aimlessly drifting in that bottom half, aren't they? For the do you think do you think there is a chance they could go down this season? Oh, oh, there is a chance. I mean, it's you, you never really know, do you? I mean, it can 
the position that they're in in the division, you'd have to say there's definitely a chance whether they will or not. I don't know. But, um, you know, last year, I think, was a free hit for everybody, more or less, because, you know, there was point, teams with points deductions and then even the likes of Peterborough were pretty bad, weren't they? But it doesn't quite seem like that at the moment. So, you know, they, they could go down. I, I wouldn't, um, you know, certainly bet against it, but you, you should think they, they should have enough to, to get out of it. But... Uh, it's difficult to know what they're going to do, isn't it? I mean, they've got a manager there now that isn't on a permanent contract. I mean, are they going to keep him? There's there's plenty of questions for for Cardiff really to decide what they're what they're going to do. But um, yeah, they'll um, they they probably need a decision though on the manager pretty quick if they're going to keep him or if they're going to make you know a, a change and get somebody more experienced in or something like that. But um, but there's been no talk about anybody else. I mean, it's it's felt like a foregone conclusion that Hudson was going to get the job, but now he's lost three games in a row and, well, they're sat just two points above the relegation zone um, and you look at the teams that are below them, okay, Huddersfield are bottom and they look in, in a right mess, but then you've got West Brom, Middlesbrough, both good teams with, yeah, well, big clubs with decent squads who've underachieved. You'd expect those two to, to rise up the table and then you've got Coventry there who are quite frankly only in the bottom three because They've played fewer games than than everybody else, and they're in great form at the moment. They should rise up the table. So if you're a Cardiff fan, you probably are just looking over your shoulder at the moment. It's there's still a very long way to go, obviously, but they're in a bit of a worrying situation. Far less worrying is Swansea's situation, fourth in the table now, which is quite frankly astonishing. We are one of the four teams in the division. Um, what is it now? I think uh, five, five wins in the last six, is it, Steve? Six uh, as well. I mean, it's 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 brilliant, and you know, we've. Um, I think it was a big deal that we kept a clean sheet against Cardiff, even though it didn't take too much work to keep them out. Um, but after you know, shipping a lot of goals in the previous games, that that's another box ticked. And um, yeah, we've got uh, some exciting times ahead. Hopefully, we're in good form, and hopefully, we can uh, continue that good form up until the World Cup break. Um, obviously, we've we've piled on the criticism for Cardiff, so. We thought we'd do our bit to raise the spirits of any downtrodden Cardiff City fan. So we went to Twitter and revived the long-lost Twitter question. And we asked you uh, for suggestions of what we can say to help cheer up those despondent Cardiff City fans in their hour of misery. And fair play, a lot of you responded. So we're just going to read through them right now. So Richard Prothero said... Uh, They won the FA Cup the year before penicillin was discovered, which is obviously a constant source of comfort for those people that their great-great-grandparents were there to witness a moment of success in Cardiff's history. Um, Gary Evans said uh, the head of Welsh Sport at the Welsh newspaper still supports them. That's, that's, I'm sure, very encouraging for them as well. Um, Paul, Ice With No Lemon, uh, has said the obvious answer, of course, is that they are the capital city of Wales. Uh, and that's all that matters to them. That is, of course, the constant source of comfort that they are the capital. And that, of course, is so important to them that it trumps anything that goes on on a football pitch. Um, so uh, that will give them a lot of um, a lot of comfort in these cold autumn nights. Uh, Alex Mullen has offered his suggestion of how to make them happier. He just says, just think of how fun it'll be for them next year when they're on one of the when they are one of the bigger clubs in League One. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 could be um, that could be encouraging as well. Um, Aaron Elliott has just suggested that we could sing them a song, and he's um, posted a link to "Daydream Believer" by the Monkeys, which is a great song, of course. I'm sure they'd love to hear it. Um, Skits McGee has tweeted, "They shouldn't be sad because they're our capital, and that means everything." Well done, Skits. Uh, Reese Robs um, said, according to one man I worked with, it doesn't matter if the Swans beat them because they're a Champions League club in waiting. So I'm sure that might cheer a few up. Oh, and the Capital City nonsense they keep mentioning. Again, yeah, that, I've got to mention that because Reese is actually my cousin. So uh, he told me this in person. And um, yeah, a guy you work with, as genuinely said to him, yeah, uh, you've got to admit that um, Cardiff are a Champions League club in waiting. So where this absolutely mental view comes from. I have no idea, but uh, yeah, I'm sure Reese has, uh, if he's seen this guy or he's probably hiding like a coward, uh, we'll be robbing at him this week. Oh, outstanding. Uh, Tim Cox 
uh, has again said they're still out capital. Yeah, they, they are the capital city. I mean, we are the Welsh capital of football, but they are still the capital city. There's no denying that. Uh, Craig has tweeted the stadium has more seats than ours, and that's all that matters. Yes, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter at all that half of those seats are empty. The fact that they are there is all that matters. Just ask Darlington um, how that works out. Uh, Rhys McMillan uh, has tweeted, don't be sad, you're a capital, plus you will have Gareth Bale and Anne Ramsey playing for you when they're 40, if they're lucky. Uh, Jeremy Thomas has tweeted, let them know uh, the, the new wetsuits wet are in the post. Um, we'll do, we'll let them know about that. Jordan has tweeted, uh, you've made it to the Premiership twice in recent times. Granted, you only lasted a season both times, but, you know, and then shrugged shoulders emoji. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they have had more promotions to the Premier League than us in recent seasons, mainly because they couldn't stay up on either occasion. But there we go. Uh, Dirk M tweets, don't worry, get some Clark's pies for teas. I would go down the pub for a few pints of dark. Um, that was my attempt at a Cardiff accent. I promise I will never ever do that again and finally Hugh Walter says um, they will have some massive clubs to play against in League One next season um, some very funny responses there thank you very much for everybody that took part we're going to move on now to discuss um, is it going too far Steve to call this another derby do we count Bristol City as a derby no it's not a derby it's a, it's a rivalry it's, I think but yeah uh, is it it's not, it's not a derby for me is it, what makes it a rivalry? Because I'll be honest, I personally don't think of Bristol City any differently to any other club in the division. I mean, I don't want to be Bristol City any more or any less than most clubs in the championship. The fact it's it's just the fact that they are the second closest team to us in the championship. Other than that, I can't pretend I've got anything massive against Bristol City. But I know you know. It, it's been a bit tasty down the years, etc. Um, but yeah, in general, I've not got anything more against Bristol City than any other club in the Championship. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of Bristol City. I think they're a little bit arrogant, a bit like uh, another club that we've just been talking about. But um, I mean, look, it's it's nothing like um, you know what the rivalry we've got with with Cardiff is. It. I mean, it's you know, I think it's one of those where it's it's nice to put a number on them, but. You know, if we lose, it doesn't massively bother me either more than it does, like you say, against anybody else, really. So, um, yeah, but it, it would be it would be nice to win. I, I, it was always good to go over there because obviously with it being quite a close trip, we do take a good fall win. So, you know, if you get a win there, it's usually one of the better wins of the season. Yeah, and we've got a, a full house heading to the away end uh, this Saturday too. Only problem is, Steve, it's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Do you... Um... Do you think it's justified um, the decision to put that on at lunchtime rather than 3 p.m.? Um, I think it's over the top personally, but um, look, it is what it is. I, I didn't agree with the decision to put it on a Sunday last year either. I, you know, I, I don't see the need for it. I think it's, you know, I, I think this this fixture can be a little bit tasty, but I mean, last year we had a Friday, you know, game didn't we? And that was class, I thought. And it, yeah, it did get a bit rowdy maybe but it still wasn't that bad I think you know I, I think it's over the top but it got it got it got very tasty didn't it um the last time before last season that, that we were able to take fans there so under I think I guess Steve Cooper would have been manager there. No, it was actually, no, the time you're talking about Porter was in charge we had them again after that oh yeah we did they yeah. reduced the allocation it was nil nil and to be honest there wasn't not a lot happened that day so. yeah you know, I, I'm not convinced that it was needed. I think that, obviously, the day that it did, it was very lively. Yeah, I sort of get that. But at the same time, that day, I know there was a lot of Swans fans that were marched from the train station down there. They missed the first 20 minutes of the game. Now, understandably, they were a little bit pissed off. And that didn't help. And it was not long after that that there was the issue. And obviously, it wasn't just us. It was them as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, let's... I don't think that it was policed very well that day and inevitably then there was an issue um, look everyone does have to behave don't they you know, it's, it is for simple in that sense but you know you can't go making people miss the first 20 minutes of the game that and that is going to wind anybody up so you know lessons do need to be learned from that as well yeah uh, hopefully you know the fans will be going there they'll be going there in high spirits I'm sure they'll be 
plenty of cans on the trains on the way up, but hopefully everybody will behave. Um, we've got, I would suggest, Steve, cause for optimism going into this game because Bristol City, after going through a really good run earlier on in the season, have hit on a bit of a, a tough patch. Um, they've, they've only had one win in the last, what, nine games, something like that, eight or nine games. Um They've beaten Bristol. They beaten Preston North End at home, and then Bristol. Uh, sorry, West Bromwich Albion away. Um, but you know, the last game they lost two 0 away to Reading, and I think we saw that Reading aren't the best best team in this division. Um, they've been conceding a lot of set pieces, which is quite encouraging considering um, the way we've been scoring recently. And earlier on in the season, they were scoring freely, but that seems to have dried up in the last few games. So. Uh, our old friend Nigel Pearson may not be having as happy a time as he was in the early months of the campaign. No, I mean if you're a Bristol City fan, look out because uh, good old Nigel is, uh, you know, not somebody that you want to wind up. I would say, but um, yeah, I mean it's he's been there quite a while now, hasn't he, Nigel Pearson? It does feel as if it's not really gone as they would like. So, you know, if they carry on the way they're going, then he, his job, I would have thought, could be under threat. So. It's a good chance again, I think, for, for us to get a result. I mean, I was looking at the league table earlier and I think of all that we've played nearly everybody in the top half. There's not many that we haven't played. I think it's Norwich and Preston, maybe. And I think everyone else that we haven't played is in the bottom half. So it does sort of show us there's a there's a good chance for us for for more points coming up on the on the horizon, I would say. And yeah, I mean we we should be capable of going to Bristol and um and getting a, another positive result, I would say. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about um, Bristol City is that they only really play one way, and it's a very entertaining way of playing. Um, they will go at an attack. They will try and pass the ball around, try and uh, make things happen. Um, and that that should hopefully lead to a very entertaining open game on, on Saturday. But I do think that kind of thing will play into our hands. I think... We, even though we've shown in the last few games that we're capable of of breaking down teams who park the bus and and just try and protect uh, what they've got, I do still think we're at our best when we come up against a team who do want to take the game to us and that it turns into a you know um, a, 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 a well just basically a series of attacks between the two teams. Um, <clears throat> And I think with Bristol City, especially because they've never, ever been able to sort their defence out under um, Nigel Pearson, it's always been uh, a problematic issue since Pearson arrived there. I th- you'd have to think that we can create chances and you'd have to think that there are going to be opportunities for us to score you. And the form that we're in and the, looking at the results we've had recently, you've got to think that we, we should be going there on the front foot and, and looking to create chances, looking to score. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, the form we're in at the moment and with how well we've been playing, um, we've been scoring quite a few goals. You know, why shouldn't we go there and um, and be looking to, you know, ram home our advantage, so to speak? So, yeah, I, you know, let's let's go there and, and try and, you know, impose ourselves on the game. There's, there's no reason whatsoever for me why we can't go there and um, and do well. So, yeah, it's it's a fixture for us that um we can definitely get some joy from. So let's let's make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, our very recent record at Ashton Gate isn't too bad. We won the uh, last time round, did the double over them last season, of course, and then the previous season we got a nil nil as well. Um, so you know we've um, we've gone there and taken points uh, in the past, even though it's not a ground where we've tended to do brilliantly uh, on the whole. Um, what do you foresee any kind of changes? Do you, do you think there will be any um, any changes from the, the Cardiff City game? From my point of view, the main thing that we need to be wary of is complacency. Um, we know before the Cardiff match that we were still capable of making mistakes at the back, still capable of being sloppy and uh, giving the ball away in dangerous areas, leaving ourselves open. Obviously, Cardiff didn't really get much of a chance to expose us in that sense. I'm just hoping that against a team in Bristol City who will want to attack, there's no doubt about that, and they will have at least two strikers on the pitch, as well as players like Semenyo, who's very, very good. Um, you know, I, I just hope that we don't get too cocky and that we are careful enough on the ball not to make any of those kind of mistakes. But are there any changes that you would make to the starting lineup from the side that began against Cardiff? I think it depends, really, doesn't it, on the fitness of any of our players that are out. I mean, 
if Ryan Manning's fit, he needs to come back in, really. Um, you know, and then the manager would have a decision to make whether it be Solanola or or Lata Boudier. Um And I can't not mention Lata Boudier because he did put out two of the greatest tweets I've ever seen in my life the other day. So um, huge respect to the man for that. Um, yeah, I think Manning needs to come in, doesn't he? Um, that's why we look at it. I think other than that, really, we can we can probably stick with um, with the current team. So yeah, we're in a good position and. You know, I suppose the only other thing to really bear in mind is, you know, we do have, you know, five games in two weeks now before the World Cup. So there is room for potential, you know, a bit of rotation, I think. Um, obviously, Joel Perot will be available again after the weekend and that will that'll be a good thing. Although, obviously, you'd have to say that we, we haven't hugely missed him across the two games. I mean, we've got five goals and he's not been playing brilliantly. So, but at the same time, it's great to have him as that option. Uh, to come back in, isn't it? So, you know, you've got Uncham can, can come in, whether he will, you know, what Uncham you'll get is is difficult to say sometimes, isn't it? But, um, yeah, and obviously then there's the other injured players, isn't there, like um, Patterson and, and Joe Allen to to come back at some point as well. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, th- there's a lot to be encouraged about you because, I mean, if you said before a ball was, ball was kicked, you know, Manning would be out, Allen, Patterson and Perot. And we would still come to BP Cardiff, for example. I mean, we'd, we'd be feeling really encouraged, wouldn't we? So there's a lot to be feeling good about at the moment. Absolutely. And you've touched on Preston there. Let's look ahead to that one before we finish, because coming up on, uh, well, next Tuesday, we will have uh, an away game at Deepdale against Preston, a team who've had a very, very strange season. I mean, they started off the campaign not conceding and not scoring. Um, I can't remember what the stat was, but in their opening couple of weeks, they, they basically they they just did not concede and, and only scored like one goal as well. They would get nil nil after nil nil after nil nil. Um, that has changed somewhat, uh, quite dra- dramatically actually over the last few weeks, Steve, because they have been conceding a lot more goals, still struggling really to score. Um, well, I get this. They're scoring more, but probably not enough to compensate for how many goals they're conceding. And over the weekend, they uh, did a Cardiff and they lost a Derby by um, but well, by four goals to two, actually in their case to Blackpool. Um, yeah, they they they're, they've been a weird team, Preston. I mean, they they are still in the top end of the table. They're they're still eleventh as we record this. But there's just been a feeling, I think, in the last few weeks, there's people starting to ask questions of Ryan Lowe as manager. They're just starting to wonder where this is heading, really. Yeah, I mean, the stats at the start of the season were absolutely staggering, weren't they? That they'd, There's been hardly any goals in, in their games. I mean, it it looked pretty good on Freddie Woodman, didn't it, our former goalkeeper, who was, went there in the summer. And, you know, their assistant is Mike Mars as well, isn't it? Um, Steve Cooper's former assistant down here. So... Yeah, it's um, it's a funny one, isn't it? But they, like you said, they have started to ship a few more now, and they've scored one or two more as well. But um, yeah, I mean, Preston are always this. It feels like anyway, this mid-table team at this level that I've had one or two brushes with promotion. Obviously, in the past, they've lost playoff finals, stuff like that. And I think they went down, didn't they? The year that we went up to the Prem, um, they were down for a few years then in League One. But they they can never really quite seem to to kick on, can they? And I think they. Maybe they're in that situation again. Obviously, they don't have a particularly big budget, probably you know, slightly smaller than ours. But um, yeah, you do wonder. I mean, Ryan Lowe's been there for about a year now, I think, has he? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think he's obviously had success previously at, at Barry. It was he did quite well. It looked like he was building something good at Plymouth, and then obviously got offered this job. And you know, as a scouser, probably thought, well, geographically, this is a a better job for me, which is n- not a, a big shock really. But um. Yeah, I mean, I just thought Preston will be in the middle somewhere. I mean, that's where they they always seem to be, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you're right to say they haven't got a very big budget. So, you know, when you when you look at what they've got to spend, you're probably expecting them to be in the lower third of the table. So, in eleventh place at the at the moment, they are punching above their weight. But just looking back at the results, yeah, the first seven games of the season, they didn't concede a single goal. But they only conceded. They only scored two as well. So um, they definitely picked up a lot of points. Um, but you know, um, they, they were, their games are pretty, pretty miserable by the looks of things. But they've only kept one clean sheet in the last five games. So the things have turned around there quite um, considerably. 
they've got, you know, they, they, they're capable of defending very solidly. They've got a decent keeper at this level in Freddie Woodman. Um, it's creatively, you're looking at that team and thinking it is short on creativity. It is, they do struggle to, to manufacture any kind of chances. But if they do manage to create those chances, I mean, they've got Emil Reese Jakobsen, who's, um, you know, last season was banging them in at the very respectable rate and they've bought Troy Parrott in the summer I'm still yet to be convinced exactly how good he is but he should be scoring goals really at this level you know he should be getting getting his fair share anyway um, and it doesn't really seem to have worked out for him yet so it is a team that's just struggling to find the balance I think but um, again Steve we're looking ahead to Preston after that we've got Wigan at home we've got away games then against Birmingham who in fairness are on a, a very good run at the moment or at least you know run performances if not uh, matching results and then you've got Huddersfield to a bottom of the table dare I say it, it's not the toughest set of fixtures um, that we've got coming up here and there is a chance to pick up points between now and the World Cup Yeah you'd have thought so I mean it's, it's tricky having so many away games and obviously you know, um, Bristol's not a bad one in terms of distance, but obviously Preston and Huddersfield are long ones. I mean, we've we've done a, put in a lot of miles over the last, you know, from the period since the international break to the World Cup. Um, you know, we we can't get too greedy either, I don't think, can we? I mean, we've we're on a good run. We can definitely pick up a few more points, I would say, before the World Cup. We should be, you know, thinking along those lines. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got to remember avoid complacency, and this league can bite you on the backside. If um, you know you're not at it, so we always need to remember that. Um, and obviously, we went to Burnley the other week, didn't we? And we got taught a little bit of a lesson ourselves. So you know, um, but if we avoid complacency and we are playing as we can, then you know there is no reason why we can't uh, certainly get some more wins on the board before the World Cup. And you know, we're up in fourth in the league, the highest we've been since uh, Russell Martin came in, and um, you know, the fact is, this isn't a great league, is it? As we've seen, I mean, we've dropped silly points, really. And I want to be honest, we should be higher in the table based on that. So there's a lot to be encouraged about. It's turned around very quickly after, you know, it did look like a concern in staff. But, um, yeah, we're, we're on a bit of a roll at the moment, it feels like. And, um, you know, we just want the next game, don't we? Well, that's the thing. It's just an enjoyable period at the moment. I think we just got to enjoy it while while it lasts. We know what the championship is like. Consistency is difficult. Teams are going to have ups and downs. It just so happens that at the moment we've got a prolonged period of ups. And it's just great to watch because there is a fantastic mood around the club. The derby has definitely helped that. It's just reinforced that positivity. And we'll be taking that positivity to Bristol on Saturday. So hopefully everybody who goes up there is going to have a good time. Behave yourselves as well, of course. And hopefully we'll have three points to celebrate when we get back. But um, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you've had a lovely time reminiscing about the South Wales derby. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.